Sunday Showcase, highlighting some of the best audio storytelling found anywhere. All right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. How do I... I'll skip ahead a bit. No, I can't skip. All right, everybody, into the time machine. No, 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 you don't understand how radio works. All I have to do to return this is fade my voice out like this and cue the organist. And you see, here we are. Wait a minute. 63 Audio presents the Old Time Radio Essentials Podcast. Greetings all who gather here and welcome back to Season 3 of Old Time Radio Essentials. If this is your first time joining us, and even if it ain't, I must inform you that this is Episode Toity Tree, also known as our 6th episode of 2022, a.k.a. the 8th ep of Season 3. My name is Pete. This is Dave. And I'm Paul. Friends, we come before you approximately once a month after painstakingly sifting through the figurative sands of time, plucking and rejecting, listening and tossing, or joyfully reminiscing and subsequently vomiting over whichever (laughs) old-time radio episode we eventually decide upon. Usually at the very last minute, in Paul's case. Hey, hey, I shall ignore that, crack. And so we come to you, our listeners, to present specific episodes of certain old-time radio series. They might be episodes that stand out as particularly representative of those series, or they might be one of those quotable episodes that fans of old-time radio like to discuss, either in person or on social media. So I guess we're all talking like gangsters tonight. Is this so. that what this is, or is this Minnesota? Hey. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure, you betcha. Hey, let's go get some pasties. Yeah, you betcha. As you may have derived from these earlier comments, we all take no. turns choosing no. a show for discussion. No. Wow. I'm going to stop that right, right. now. <laughs> Somebody I should from back Jamaica got again. transplanted to Minnesota. <laughs> Sorry, Joel. As you may have derived from these earlier comments, we all take turns choosing a show for discussion, and occasionally we'll bring in a special guest to provide some programming. Last episode was my pick, and that was Lux Radio Theater's Red River, in case you missed it. And the wheel comes around and stops on Dave again. And what do you have for us today, Mr. R? Well, today, my far-out space nuts, we travel into the past and the future simultaneously, and I love doing that, with an episode of Dimension X entitled Time and Time Again. You see what we did there? Originally broadcast on NBC July 12th, 1951, which means that we're recording this episode on the 71st anniversary of the original air date. How awesome is that? I love it. That is terrific. Uh, What a coinkadink. Yeah, okay. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, guys, uh, Dimension X ran for only two seasons between 1950 and 1951 and was usually a sustaining series, meaning no sponsor. All 50 episodes survived, however, and are available today for modern listeners. The series gained a solid following thanks to superb adaptations of sci-fi stories by established writers in the genre, such as Ray Bradbury, Isaac Asimov, Kurt Vonnegut, Robert A. Heinlein, Robert Block, and others. The adaptations were usually written by Ernest Kenoy or George Leffert, who both also provided original scripts to the series. Now, the episode you're about to hear was adapted by Kenoy from a story by H. Beam Piper. So now, without further delay, we present Time and Time Again and Dimension X, 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 X. And now, friends, adjust your radio dials to the proper frequency. Frequency, frequency, frequency. <laughs> Get comfortable. Comfortable, comfortable, comfortable. And listen, listen, listen. listen. <laughs> How does he make his voice do that? (laughs) It's magic. 
Adventures in Time and Space. Told in future tense. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Street and Smith, publishers of astounding science fiction, bring you Dimension X. It happened during a routine skirmish in the Great War. Patrols advanced from the defense perimeter under jet cover and preceded by napalm throwers. The enemy defended in depth and mopped up with guided 98s, fired from 40 miles to the rear. The blast area was 10 miles in circumference, and the medics didn't find much to pick up over 500 yards in. Take it in here. Where? Look out, it's lousy with mud. Okay, man, guide me. More, more. Right left. Okay. More. Hold it. Stretches. Travis, get those men out. Yes, sir. Get a move on. Line them up. Come on. Easy, easy. You want to kill them? Okay, take it away. They might have left these Joes where they was. Half of them won't last till the plane comes. As long as they're alive, they'll be treated. Get out the tags, Travis. Start talking names. Yes, sir. Uh, this one must have been a thousand yards in. Get his dog tag out. What a mess. Here. Hartley Allen, Captain G5, Chem Research, AN73D, number SO2386943J. Allen Hartley? Allen Hartley. Well, if that could be the hunter that wrote Children of the Mist and Conqueror's Road. Never heard of him. Major, I think maybe he's part conscious. Maybe I should give him another shot. Go ahead, Sergeant. There isn't much else we can do for him. It's a rotten shame. Ain't it always... Okay, Captain, give me your arm. There. Can't stay in bed all day. I remember that. Clear as if it were real. Up and at him. Hit the deck. Remarkably vivid. Strange. Alan, you all right? I'm all right. What's wrong with my voice? It's too high. Uh... <laughs> what are you doing? Practicing singing? My voice has changed. <laughs> is that all? You're growing up. Happy birthday, son. Happy birthday? Hey, wake up, son. Wake up. I am awake. Come on, out of bed. I don't understand. Breakfast waiting. Out of bed or I'll turn it over. All right, all right. It's a dream. Maybe, but you're wide awake now. I am awake now. Well, half awake anyway. That's the Bell of St. Boniface, isn't it? Is it? Are you kidding? You forget today's your birthday? No. No, I didn't forget. Neither did I. Here, son. Happy 13th birthday. You won't guess what's in here. A rifle. A light 22 rifle. How'd you know that? I remembered. Did I spill the beans sometime? I could have sworn it'd be a surprise. Well, well go on, open it. Like it? Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect, Dad. I'll be shaving, Alan. Come down to breakfast when you're ready. It's a big day today. You're almost a man. Almost. You're still groggy. Snap out of it, Alan. I will. There's a dream in it somewhere. But I'm not sure which. What? Never mind, Dad. I'll be right down for breakfast. Now for coffee. 
Mr. Stauber makes the best in town. A black for me. Uh, a what? Oh, I mean... Uh, you may be 13, Alan, but they're still a little young for coffee, especially black. Oh, I wasn't thinking. <laughs> what are you going to do today, son? I want to do some reading this morning, I guess. Uh, that's always a good thing to do. Uh, after breakfast, suppose you take a walk down to the station and get me a Times. Didn't it come? What, the Times? They don't deliver. Be a good idea, though. Maybe I'll talk to Sam Ashman about it. Here's a half dollar, Alan. Get anything you want for yourself out of the change. Thanks, Dad. Uh, finish your milk before you go. Oh, sure, Dad. And uh, hurry back. I like to finish the crossword puzzle before lunch. Here you are, Alan. One time's... Tell your father the puzzle's a stinker. Thanks, Mr. Ashburn. Look out for the trucks when you cross the highway. Oh, I'll go across Elton's lot shortcut. Elton's? You'll have a hard time crossing there, son. There's four buildings on that block. I thought they burned down. Seen them this morning, big as life. Oh, I guess that didn't happen yet. What'd you say? Oh, nothing, Mr. Ashburn. I was just muttering. In my days, youngsters talked up. Yes, sir. Oh, bye, Mr. Ashburn. Monday, August 6, 1945. Okinawa 1, bombing Japan. Hey! Hey, Alan, wait up! Larry Morton. Oh, hiya, Larry. Hi, Al. Hey, you want to have a catch or something? No, I have some things I want to do at home. <laughs> wow, get him. Fancy pants talk. Things I want to do at home. Oh, go chase yourself around the block. Go jump in a garbage can, will you? Go take a flying jet to the moon. Hey, that's a new one. A flying jet to the moon. Hey, you thought up a new one, Al. Yeah. Hey, how about us going swimming at the canoe clubs after? Gee, I wish I could. I gotta stay home. Zafter. You see the football movie at the Grand? Boy, what a team. Notre Dame. I thought you liked Cornell. Cornell? Ha, they couldn't even beat Vassar. You're going to Cornell, aren't you? Me? Cornell? Fat chance. I'll bet you do. I wouldn't take your money. I know you wouldn't. You'll go to Cornell, all right. <laughs> Cornell. Far above Cayuga's waters, there's an awful smell. Just the same. You'll go to Cornell. I've got to hurry, Larry. Well, so long, Al. See ya. So long, Larry. See ya. <sighs> I'm stuck in this corner. A seven-letter word to mix in proportion. Titrate. Huh? T I. It fits. How'd you know that, Alan? What? Oh, I read it somewhere, I guess. Oh. What are you reading now? Tarzan again? No, not Tarzan. It's refreshing to see you with a book. Sometimes I think I ought to forbid comic books in the house. Yeah, they must be raising the devil with those bombing raids in Japan. How long do you think the war in Japan will last, Dad? Oh, I'll say the middle of 1946. We'll have to invade those islands foot by foot. I wouldn't be surprised if the war was over very suddenly. <laughs> How, by magic? There is nothing on earth will make those Japanese surrender. You expect somebody to make a pass and it'll be all over by this afternoon? That's just about Mr. it. Mr. Hartley, excuse me. Could I see you for a minute? Oh, hello, Mr. Gottschall. Sure. That's Frank Gutschall, Dad? That's right. Excuse me. Didn't mean to disturb you, Mr. Hartley. That's quite all right. It's a lovely day, isn't it, Mr. Gutschall? The Lord's world is always beautiful. Oh, of course, Mr. Gutschall. Uh, Mr. Hartley, I wonder if you could lend me a gun and some bullets. Huh? My little dog's been hurt and it's been suffering something terrible. Oh, it's too bad. I, I want a gun to put the poor thing out of its pain. Oh, of course. How would a 20-gauge shotgun do? You wouldn't want anything heavy. I was hoping you'd let me have a little gun. 
maybe so big. A pistol? Uh, so I could put it in my pocket. Wouldn't look right for a godly man to carry a hunting gun through town. I don't hold with killing innocent creatures. People wouldn't understand that it was for a work of mercy. Of course, I understand. You're a very religious man. The whole world is evil, Mr. Hartley. Well, sometimes it certainly looks like it. Well, I have a Colt 38 special from the auxiliary police outfit. That's fine, fine. Uh, you'll have to bring it right back, Mr. Gottschall. I might be called out. Uh, Dad, hmm? Dad, wait a minute. I just remembered. Remembered what, son? Uh, aren't there some cartridges left for the Luger? Then you wouldn't be without the Colt. Hey, that's right. I've got a German automatic, Mr. Gottschall, I could let you have. That way I wouldn't get stuck. Wait, Dad, I'll get it. I know where the cartridges are. Well, be careful, son. Well, Mr. Gottschall, it sure turned out nice after all that rain. Hello, police headquarters. Um, this is Blake Hartley. Uh, Frank Gutschall, who lives on Campbell Street, has just borrowed a gun from me ostensibly to shoot a dog. What? No, he has no dog. He intends shooting his wife. Yes, I'll take out the firing pin. He'll walk home. If you hurry, you can get a man there on time. Right. <laughs> at first. I'll show Mr. Gutschall how it works. It's all loaded, ready to shoot. Uh, this is the safety. Just push it forward and up. Uh, there are eight shots in it. Did you load the chamber, Alan? Oh, sure. It's unsafe now. You understand how it works, Mr. Gutschall? Yes, yes, I understand. Uh, thank you, Mr. Hartley. Thank you, Sonny. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye, Mr. Gutschall. Return the gun when you're done. Yes, I'll be done with it soon. Goodbye. Alan, you shouldn't have loaded that gun. I guess it's all over now. I had to keep you from fooling with it. Didn't want you to see I took out the firing pin. You what? Gutcho didn't want that gun to shoot a dog. He's a fanatic. He sees visions, hears voices. The voices probably put him up to this. I'll submit that any man who holds intimate conversations with disembodied spirits isn't to be trusted with a gun. He wants to shoot his wife. What are you talking about? While I was upstairs, I called the police. I put a handkerchief over my mouth and told them I was you. You? Why'd you have to do that? I couldn't have told them. This is little Alan Hartley, 13 years old. And suppose he really wants to shoot a dog. What kind of a mess will I be in then? No mess, because I'm right. But you'll have to front for me. They give me a lot of cheap boy hero publicity, which I don't want. This is crazy, Alan. This is absolutely crazy. We'll have the complete returns in 20 minutes. Mr. Hartley, Mr. Blake Hartley? Uh, that's right. I'm Detective Sergeant Kaborski from Homicide. Here's your Luger. Uh, thank you. I don't know how you spotted that guy, but when we busted in, he was pointing that gun at his wife, swearing a blue streak because it wouldn't go off. Well, I'm uh, glad I was able to help. They may have some kind of citation, Mr. Hartley. Oh, I, I don't think that's necessary. Well, in the department, we figure a little publicity never hurt nobody. Even a lawyer, huh? I uh, really prefer to have it kept quiet. Well, whatever you say, we want you to drop around in the morning for a statement. I'll be glad to. Well... Thanks, Mr. Hartley. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, Sonny. Goodbye, Sergeant. Why don't you take the citation, Dan? Well, you were right. You saved that woman's life. Let's, uh, see you put back the firing pin. Sure. There. Suppose we have a little talk. But I explained everything. You did not. 
Yesterday, you wouldn't even have known how to take this pistol apart. Today, you've been using language and expressing ideas that are outside of everything you've ever known before. Now I want to know. Well, I hope you're not toying with the medieval notion of obsession. What? You see, I'm changed. When did you first notice this? Last night, you were still my little boy. This morning, I don't know. You, you've been strange all day. Alan, what's happened to you? I wish I could be sure myself, Dad. You see, when I woke up this morning, all I could remember was lying on a stretcher injured by a bomb explosion. I was 43 years old and the year was 1975. 1975? That's right, you'll be 43 in 1975. But, but a bomb? Yes, during the siege of Buffalo in the Third World War. I was the captain in G5 Scientific Warfare General Staff. Buffalo? You mean Buffalo, New York? Yes, there had been a transpolar invasion of Canada. I was sent to the front to check on service failures of a new lubricating oil. I got hit by a bomb blast. I remember being picked up and getting a narcotic injection. The next thing I knew, I was in bed upstairs and it was 1945 again. And I was back in my own 13-year-old body. <laughs> Alan, you just had a nightmare to end all nightmares, that's all. I thought it might be that at first, but I rejected it. It wouldn't fit the facts. But it's ridiculous. All this battle of Buffalo stuff. You picked it up listening to the radio. All the commentators have been going on about another war after this one. You've just got an undigested chunk of H.V. Calton born in your subconscious. But that isn't everything. I remember four years of high school, four years at Cornell, seven years as a reporter on the Philadelphia Record, three novels, Children of the Mist, Rose of Death, and Conqueror's Road. I wrote detective stories under a phony name. I worked in chemistry. You think a 13-year-old can dream up all that stuff? But it's the only possible explanation. Maybe, but I can speak five languages today that I couldn't yesterday. French, German, Chinese, Russian, and Spanish. Although I've got a Mexican accent you could cut with a knife. But, but how did it happen? I, I can't believe it. All I know is here I am. I've been reading up on time theories. Nobody seems to know much about them. Evidently, time exists parallel as another dimension. And I've got kicked backwards, and somehow... But how? It may have been the radiations from the bomb. Or the narcotic injection. Or both together. But the fact remains I'm here with full knowledge of, of my future identity. This... This is quite a shock, Alan. But you do believe me, don't you? Yes, I... Suppose I must. You seem so strange as as if you weren't my son. I'm your son, all right. The same body as yesterday. I've just had an educational shortcut. <clears throat> uh, wait a minute. If you can remember the next 30 years, suppose you tell me when the war is going to end. This one against the Japs, I mean. Sure. The Japanese surrender will be announced at exactly 7.01 p.m., on August 14th, the week from Tuesday. Better make sure we have plenty of grub in the house by then. Everything will be closed up tight till Thursday morning. Even the restaurants. I remember we had nothing to eat in the house but some scraps. Tuesday week? That's pretty sudden, isn't it? Not after today. What do you mean, what happened today? Plenty. Oh, what time is it, Dad? Uh, 11.16. Is your watch right? To the second, why? It'll come at exactly 11... 1740. What'll come? The radio announcement. What are you getting at? Something important on the radio? We'll see. Don't bother, Dad. It won't work. I remember we had a tube burned out. Yeah, there is something wrong. What is this announcement of yours? I memorized it in journalism school at Columbia in 1954. What time is it? Uh, 11.18. They're breaking into the programs now. President Truman has just announced that an atomic bomb has been dropped on the in Japanese industrial city of Hiroshima. The bomb was dropped 16 hours ago, and the announcement was delayed to ascertain the results of the explosion. 
A man named John Howard Peterson read the announcement from the Washington newsroom of NBC. I... I don't believe it. No? Listen. That's the Burt Plate factory whistle and the bells at St. Boniface. Next, the whistle at the volunteer firehouse. And it's true. It is true. Sure. Then Larry Morton came by on his bicycle. Hey, hey, Al, you hear him? You hear about the bomb? An atomic bomb. Yeah, we heard. Boy, atomic bomb. Oh, boy. I gotta go find my pop. He's on the golf course. Bye, Al. Bye, Mr. Hartley. You knew. You knew about it. The next bomb hits Nakasaki. I thought that stuff about atomic energy was so much fantasy. What? Was that the kind of bomb that got you? That was a firecracker compared to the one that got me. It was a guy in 98, exploded 10 miles away. And that's going to happen in 30 years? I remember it. How about, well, how about me? Oh, wait, never mind. I don't think I better know when I'm going to die. I couldn't tell you anyway. I had a letter from you just before I left for the front. You were 78 then, and you were still hunting and fishing and flying your own plane. But another war and fought on American soil. Alan, I wish this hadn't happened to you. It happened. I remember it. But if I can help it, I'm not going to get killed in any battle of Buffalo. But if you remember it, if time exists as a parallel dimension, then every kick we're getting closer to that Third World War. Dad... You know what I remembered when Gutcho came to borrow that gun? Well, I suppose that you suspected him and warned me. No, no, that wasn't it. The other time, the first time, when I was really 13. I wasn't home. I'd been swimming at the canoe club with Larry Morton. When I got home about half an hour from now, I found the house full of cops. But if the gun didn't fire... What well, makes you think it didn't? Gutcho talked the 38 out of you, went home... Shot his wife four times in the body, once behind the ear, and used the sixth shot to blow his own brains out. That's what you remember? Yes, but now it hasn't happened because I warned you. Dad, I found out the future can be changed. One man can't change the whole future. I stopped the murder and the suicide. I know, son, With but... With 30 years to work, I can stop a world war. I'll have the means. The means? Unlimited wealth and influence. I've got a good memory, Dad. Wrote a list out this afternoon. Look at this. Assault, jet pilot, citation, ponder, middle ground, counter... What is this, code? Horses. That's a list of Kentucky Derby winners from 1946 to 1970. You sure? I learned that list on a bet at the officers' club in Cincinnati in 1971. Assault paid eight to one. You figure out what we can take in. Oh, but gambling, This son. isn't it. Gambling, it's a sure thing. When we get rolling, we'll make the Rockefellers look like pikers. Hmm. Assault at eight to one. I suppose I could scrape up $5,000. In ten years, that'll make uh, a lot of money. Any uh, other little thing you have in mind, Alan? By 1952, we start building a political organization here in Pennsylvania. In 1960, I think we can elect you president. Well, of course, I... President? Is, isn't that going a little too far? Why not? Who wouldn't vote for a politician who was always right? Besides, that's one thing we've got to change. In 1960, we had a man in the White House who was good to his wife and sang a nice tenor. And that's about all. He fouled up so completely, we ended up at war. I think President Hartley might be a little more trusted to take a strong line. But I don't know anything about international decisions. I do. I know all the wrong ones. If we can stop a murder, with time we can stop a war. How do I start? Well, as I remember, just after that bomb announcement, you got a phone call from the city fusion party about the next election. Well, there is a lot of talk about a reform ticket. That call is going to be important, Dad. It's the turning point. You've got... There it is. Well, what do I do? Answer. Go ahead. But, Alan, I... Don't worry. I'll tell you what to say. Go ahead. Hello? Yes, this is Blake Hartley. Judge Crimmins? Well, uh, 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 just, just a moment. 
Alan, he's asking me to run. Oh, oh, my head. Alan, Alan, what's the matter? Alan. Oh. He passed out. Alan, what do I do now? Alan, listen to me. Alan. Alan, what's the matter? Alan. Captain Hartley. Captain Hartley. Captain Hartley. It was all right, Doctor. I gave him the shot and he was all right. He's dead. All right, Sergeant, make up the tag. Yes, sir. Hartley, Allen, Captain. Dead August 8th, 1975. Allen. Allen, what happened? Allen. Allen. Hmm? Allen, are you all right? Hi, Dad. I've got Judge Crimmins on the phone. What do I tell him? What? Alan, are you all right? You passed out. Sure, I'm all right. Hey, today's my birthday, isn't it? What did you get me, Dad? Oh, what did you get me? Alan, are you all right? Sure, I'm okay. But what did you get for my birthday, huh? Don't you remember the, the Third World War? What Third World War? Gee, Dad, what's the matter? You're looking at me funny. Uh, Judge Crimmins, I'll, uh, I'll have to call you back. Goodbye. You don't remember. You're back again, aren't you? Back to 13 years old. Sure, I'm 13 today. For corn's sakes, Dad. You must have died up there. It was only a mine transfer. That means now I'm on my own. I have to do it myself without your help. Help for what? Oh, if it's the grass, I, I said I'd cut it tomorrow. No, no, it isn't the grass. I've got to save your life, Alan. I can't let you die that way in 1975. What are you talking about, Dad? You sound goofy. I've got to change it all by myself. Change what? Uh, never mind, Alan. You don't know yet. Come on, let's have lunch. Sure, Dad. Hey, how about my prisoner? What did you get me for my birthday? Hey, in a minute, son. Uh, go on in. Hurry up, Dad. All right. Hmm. Now, where'd I put that list of horses? just heard another adventure into the unknown world of the future. The world of... Dimension <laughs> Homecoming is a joyous word. But when the home you're returning to is a burned-out radioactive planet. And when you cannot even imagine what terrible changes you will find there, the word then takes on a very different meaning. Next week, Dimension X brings you a strange story called Dwellers in Silence. Dimension X is brought to you each week by the National Broadcasting Company in cooperation with Street and Smith, publishers of the magazine Astounding Science Fiction. Today, Dimension X has presented Time and Time Again. Written for radio by Ernest Canoy and the story by H. Beam Piper. Featured in the cast were David Anderson as Alan and Joseph Curtin as his dad. Your host was Norman Rose. Music by Albert Berman. Dimension X is produced by William Welsh and directed by Fred Way. We're back. Back, back, back. <laughs> with old-time radio essentials, this is Pete with Paul and Dave. That was an episode of Dimension X entitled Time and Time Again, originally broadcast on NBC 71 years ago today, July 12, 1951. 
So, Dave, uh, this was your selection, and I think I speak for Paul as well as myself when I say I'd be mighty grateful if you'd tell us your reasons for choosing your choice here, like... Uh... Oh, well, uh, so many reasons. <laughs> it, was, it was, you know, we all free choosing choice. Choice and choice here. It's my choice. My choice was, okay, so first of all, you know I love the sci-fi. I love the noir. That's my jam on the on the old-time radio experience. The thing that I love about Dimension X is that they were harvesting from the golden age of science fiction. I mean, H. Beam Piper, Heinlein, in, in their prime, all of these fabulous creators who literally paved the path for – Modern sci-fi for for Star Trek, uh, uh, Strange New Worlds, uh, for Stranger Things, for all the stuff that we enjoy now. These guys were were working in that zone. So to to pull a story from H. Beam Piper uh, uh, and have that come about and and bring that out, that had to be. I, I wanted to do that very much. The other thing is that I really like the way it's interesting how stories, as opposed to radio scripts, have a different tone, a different quality in their presentation on the radio. Some of the other stuff that we listen to, which is fabulous, um, but it feels like it was written for the radio, which, duh, it was. But there are these conventions of timing and pacing and script convention and story conventions that you come to recognize. You you come to feel as expected of that. And when you start working with stories, narrated stories like this, or performed stories like this, you don't get that. This the, the aesthetic of this story, I think, was very different from the other stories that we've listened to. And I really enjoy that. I really appreciate that. I thought the performances on this were excellent. Uh, uh, the kid uh, did a great job of, of being a kid and sounding like a kid. Uh, uh, the sound effects, I thought, were very effective in that they defined the the environment, they defined the scene that was going on and they augmented it, but they didn't get in your face. It wasn't, you know, it's the old, it's the old thing. It's like if anybody notices your sound effects, you're doing it wrong. Uh, uh, and in this case, I didn't necessarily know them. I, I felt that they did a good job of augmenting uh, the story and, and the scene and telling us, giving us a, a bit of imaginary hooks for, for pulling in on that. Um, what else? I, I liked the story itself i mean it's not like this is a new story but i found myself getting caught up in oh god he's back in his 12 year old self and at no point in time did i feel like oh come on get on with it yes we know oh my god you're back in your body and then you're 12 years old for some reason that story didn't elicit that in my in my mind i was captivated i was charmed by his engagement in with his younger self and then as the story developed and you've got you know the the drama of the guy the preacher who's going to kill his wife uh and and the the kid intervenes the the 40 year old man intervenes uh and that you know ends up being the tipping point for his dad to suddenly get on board with the fact that, holy crap, you are indeed my son from the future. And then the, then the drama of moving forward, it's like we can change the future. And then, yank, he's out. And now the father has to pick up the thread by himself. And that's where it cuts out. We don't know how it goes forward. It's up to us as the listener to decide how this story ends. And I love that about uh, uh, you know, a good story with lots of good momentum. You let me decide how it's going to end and how that plays out. That's that's just all kinds of fun. I love the crap out of this. This was this was a lot of fun. I love a good time travel yarn, uh, and Dimension X really did it well. I thought. Great, excellent. Uh, well, do you have anything to say after Dave's <laughs> summation, uh, there, Paul? Uh, not much. No, no, not much. <laughs> It's uh, I listened to it. It was fine. It was fine. <laughs> uh, pretty, pretty sounds. Nice voices. It was uh, entertaining. And yeah. Uh, thanks for yeah. putting me. Dave, you do in, tend in, to suck for, all the air out of the room, buddy. <laughs> hey, man, thanks for putting me in second. <laughs> Just put Dave last, okay? Just no, put Dave last. it's your last. choice. Of course you go first. Of course you no, no, give no. us that enthusiasm. I love it. So, 
No, seriously, Paul. No, would anything it, else? it was a, uh, a very good episode. Uh, the sound quality was good. The acting was real good. Like you said, the sound effects were just there enough to convey the feeling of what's going on without getting in the way. And so, I mean, everything did what it was supposed to. It's, it's one of those things you when you've been around science fiction enough, sometimes you definitely have to take your brain out of all the science fiction that you know and remember that you're going back to the roots of it when we listen to something like this. Because I'm like, oh, this old this old tired storyline, somebody going back, it's kind of like Quantum Leap, ah, you know. And you're just like, eh. But then when you realize this is probably the first time that this type of storyline was ever done on the radio. And to a lot of people out there, they probably listened to it and went, holy crap. Oh, and that's how I listen to these. I, I put myself in that in that time frame as much as well, I that's can. That's kind of the appeal of old time radio, isn't it? That we get to go back and listen to these stories through the eyes of somebody that's maybe not as jaded or experienced or or, or you know as we are in terms of the media that we're consuming i think it's a great point paul right. this is, i mean you, you touched on the the essence of the, the enjoyment of old time radio yeah exactly yeah because i mean it, and i think it, it has to kind of like happen consciously to a person and like oh i'll listen to some old time radio i've never really listened to it before and i'll start listening to the stuff and going, oh, yeah, it's kind of, you know, boring, kind of droll and all that. But if you remember that, you know, this this was recorded like 70 years ago, you know, and they hadn't talked about this 70 years ago. And you purposely tell yourself, you know, they were saying these things for the first time, these ideas for the first time. And it really, really puts the polish back on the thing, because then you're you're listening to it going, that's. Wow, you know, for someone who's never thought of it that way, that's really interesting to think of it that way, you know. And so I really I like that about it. And that's why I like about it, things like Dimension X with the uh, creme de la creme of the science fiction writers, you know, and and even the non science fiction too. Just to know that so many of the things that you know we're listening to, it was their first time through. You know, a lot of the. Uh, um, Detective ones, stuff like that. It was the first time they did the story this way or first time they tried it that way or, you know, the mystery ones, you know. So, I mean, this one is very good. It, it was well done. The Like you said, <laughs> the, the, the kid that played the kid in it did a really good kid. I mean, it's hard to believe he was 43 at the time of the, of the recording. <laughs> but you It know. may have been a 30-year-old woman for all of <laughs> Yeah. With a boy's yeah, voice. Yeah, fair point. But either way, that person did good as a kid. So, there you go. There so you go. I liked it. It was a very enjoyable story. And now it's Pete's turn. Well, of course, I agree um, with everything that's been said before me. Well, actually, I wanted to ask uh, Dave. Now, I have not heard before today, before the show, I had not heard of H. Beam Piper. Mm. Can but but I've heard of all the others Vonnegut of course Ray Bradbury Heinlein I've read a lot of those uh, even Edgar Rice Burroughs science fiction uh, the Mars novels uh, were favorites of mine in the eighties but Piper is unfamiliar to me can you tell me some of the did he write novels as well as short stories Oh my goodness yes uh, in fact he uh, one of the things he's most known for is <laughs> the Fuzzy series. Uh, it's it's a series of novels uh, with an alien culture that is fuzzy, basically. Uh, and, and and these things came out like in 62, uh, 64, that series. Lots of collections of short stories. He was writing even back in 52 uh, and, and exploring concepts of uh, uh, cultural development and civilizations – uh, of other planets, other species. Um, uh, one of the really under underrated foundational uh, uh, narrators of science fiction of that time. His short fiction is is exhaustive. Uh, he's written so much, and and really, like I say, he informed the conversation of sci-fi uh, back in the fifties and sixties. Great. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll look. I'll look up his other stories. I don't. I don't have 
a lot of time for novels these days, but I do, <laughs> I, I do enjoy short stories. Um, tell you the truth, most of my reading over the past eight years has been short stories that I'm always thinking, okay, can I adapt this for audio drama? That's how I, <laughs> that's how I think. Um, one of my favorite science fiction pulp writers was Henry Kuttner. Uh, who is really good. I mean, just, uh, I've adapted a couple of his stories already. Um, and, and one of them was a, a set on Mars called The Eyes of Thar, just a terrific story that uh, not a typical uh, radio play because of all the all the things that happened in this story. So um, I, I like how you pointed that out at the beginning, Dave, where um, uh, you've got your stuff that's written for radio, stuff that's written um as a story and that adapted for radio, they're two different animals in a lot of cases. And I, and, and I think that the way you described that, it was perfect uh, in this case. Um, I too enjoyed the, the, the way the, the kid was speaking like an adult and he, he sounded realistic. It took him a while to grasp it, what was going on. But once he did, he, he figured it out. He saved the life of the woman. He uh, convinced his dad that um, uh, he, who he was um, and that sort of thing. And um, what I what I also liked was that his dad was willing to listen. Yes, uh, it was the two mm-hmm. of them yep. for years. We don't know what happened to the mom. We did. He was probably widowed. Um, and and then he, it was the two of them for years. So they had a terrific relationship. So he was willing to listen to his son when he told him something. Uh, outrageous outrageous <laughs> yeah that's the word so um the whole the whole thing as it, as it went down was really good and and i too thought this is a really interesting premise and and um, um the people who were listening to this in 1951 um mm-hmm. were probably blown away time travel <laughs> not exactly time travel as much as it is, um, oh, there's got to be a word for it. it. Not reincarnation, of course, but it is like, it, but but like a quantum leap, I guess you could say. Yeah, he jumped very much so. from his his present body in 1975 to his past body in 1951, and it was just a. Uh, a conscious of, link a consciousness <laughs> link of consciousness good yeah well and and who among us hasn't imagined going back to our teenage self or our, our 14 year old self knowing everything we know now yeah. and, I would and say, how we would don't marry her pete don't yeah. marry her <laughs> i don't know shit so. and don't marry her either <laughs> i go back in time look at my other self and go duh <laughs> I would pick up the guitar and the piano instantly. At the age of 12, I would start playing guitar and piano right away. I would, I would bring the plans for a cell phone and say, you need to develop this right now. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. Well, I like the kid coming up with a list of, of Kentucky Derby winners. If I've got lead time before I'm going back, oh, hell yeah. I'm, I'm prepping all of that stuff. It's pretty clever how um, he, he, he memorized these things as a as a game when he was in college, and so he was able to uh, rattle them off. Uh, it's pretty yep. pretty good. So, uh, all in all, <laughs> I enjoyed the performances. The father was um, a typical 1950s father, except he did believe his son eventually. He did buy into what, what was being said, and and trusted him to uh, that he was telling the truth. And and how could you not? Because he was talking like an educated, you know, a 40 year old educated man. Uh, yeah. The day before, he was talking about, um, you know, toy guns and, and <laughs> cat pistols and, 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 and rowing on the lake or whatever it was. So um, I thought this was a, just a, a very good story, very well uh, played, and um, overall uh, a fun time travel romp, really was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody else? Anything else to add? Okay. Let's vote. What are we voting on, dear listener? As a reminder, we are voting on A, whether this particular episode is a true representative installment of the overall series, and two, whether or not it is a standalone show that belongs in every radio aficionado's collection. And again, Dave, if you can settle down here, (laughs) since this was your selection, please vote first. Oh, 
God, you do that to me every episode, and it hurts every time. Um, and thank okay, you for so I, so rewarding, Dave. <laughs> Next I, I listen, will be Roman numeral one. <laughs> and, and Greek numeral B. Yes. Oh, letter B. We can go um, dot. Dot dot, so we can do binary. Too. There we go. Do one two one two one one two. Um, I first of all, so I listened to like about five episodes of Dimension X before settling on this one, and I can say without a doubt that this is absolutely endemic of the entire series uh, in terms of quality, in terms of commitment to the uh, faithful and effective adaptation of the story into this auditory medium that we find ourselves in. Absolutely representative of the entire series. And yeah, honestly, I think this belongs in an aficionado's collection. If for no other reason, as Paul pointed out, that this is one of those first moments of time travel exploration and and the notion that I can change the past without not without unlifing myself in the future. All of these wonderful ideas that first started to come out here. So yeah, it absolutely belongs in every aficionado's collection. So yes and yes, that's what I say. Okay. Paul? Well, I would have to say pretty much what Dave said. Yeah. I you know, I agree with his points on, on all of it. I mean, I have listened to Dimension X before I've got the collection. And, yeah, it, it is indicative of the rest of the series. In other words, quality. You know, I just find it hard to really believe that maybe it was just too far ahead of its time, is what I'm guessing sometimes, that it only ran for two years and it was unsponsored. I mean, there are some quality-ass shit in those programs they got for Dimension <laughs> X, you know? And so it's just... Well said, like, sir. Well said. Abbreviate yeah. that to QAS in future, please. <laughs> what was that? QAS instead of quality-ass shit, please. We're, we're trying <laughs> yeah, to get the QAS. kids to listen. That was a QAS of uh, the stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, no, I mean, really, I, it, it should have been a series that ran for years, you know, with people fighting for sponsorship, but they didn't. So it's kind of like, ha-ha, look what you missed out on. So... Yeah. But it was, it, you know, it's an excellent series, so I I vote for that. And this is an excellent episode, and I vote for that. And yes, two thumbs up. Excellent. Eight. Well, well, um, um, they did see the error of their ways and and recreated Dimension X as X minus one uh, a few years later, and and so and and it ran, I think, for more more episodes, and they recycled a lot of the scripts from Dimension X to X minus one. So uh, they did they did say. Boy, were we stupid. Let's do that again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and, and X minus one is just the same quality as Dimension X. So, uh, yeah. Now, now this one, just a terrific story. Uh, um, like I said, um, top notch in every way. No, no complaints. Um, I parallel Dave when I say that the, uh, that the sound effects were so good they were unnoticeable. Uh, I want to paraphrase Groucho Marx. He said that radio is the only medium where everybody wears wooden shoes. Because <laughs> you can always hear, you know, the, 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 the clomp, clomp, clomp of the footsteps. So, uh, but this way, this one, we didn't have that. So uh, they, they were wearing their carpet slippers instead, apparently. <laughs> but absolutely, this is representative of Dimension X in every way. And then um, this one itself is is so intriguing in terms of the time travel, in terms of how the kid and the father interact, how uh, he's able to change uh, this, this tragic event and make it not happen. It, it's just wonderful. So I, I say, yes, it does belong in every Radio Aficionados collection. So, excellent. I'm glad we agree with that. We and have so an accord. We are. We have an accord. Again, once again, the three of us are, are aligned. I do like that. Whoa. I do, too. It's, well, it's weird. It is, but it's good. It's, a good, it's weird <laughs> in a good way. A good so weird. congratulations on an excellent choice, Dave. Thank you for this one. My singular pleasure. And, folks, this brings us to the end of episode 33, or if you live in a parallel universe, episode 8 of season 3. With Pete Lutz, Paul Arbisi, and myself, Dave Robinson. We are so very delighted that you joined us, and we hope you'll join us next time because <laughs> it'll be Paul's turn next. What's on your what's what's your selection gonna be, Paul? 
Well, I thought I'd try one from Broadway is my beat. And I'll warn people. I never listened to Broadway is my beat up until uh, picking out a selection. So I listened about a half a dozen episodes. And so I picked this one and we'll see what we think next time. Broadway. (laughs) Broadway's my beat. Broadway is my beat. That's a police procedural series. I'm familiar with that one myself. And it sounds like a real winner, Polly. And now before we wind up, I want to ask if either of you has anything new to report. Paul, Dave. Um, other than, than having the singular pleasure of, of participating in the recording of Les Mis with you guys uh, uh, a little while ago, that was fun. Um, I just got a, a gig, uh, a, a short story, not even a short story, a piece of flash fiction for Podcastle over at Escape Artists, uh, which will be coming out probably next month or the month after. Um, but other than that, I'm just continuing the, the buttery man voice uh, uh, career of, of trying to become a voice actor uh, uh, and, and make a living at it. Uh, and things are moving along quite nicely. Thank you very much. That's all I've got. Uh, well, I know for trying to make a living as a voice actor, if- if I work for another 125 years <laughs> at the rate I'm going, I'll at least paid off my equipment. Excellent. So, so I have something to live for. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. Uh-huh. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. Well, it also happens that I, I have a face for radio. <laughs> no, anyhow. Um, let's see. What have I got Your going? mother dropped your face on the radio when you were a baby. <laughs> <laughs> dropped me in a bucket of shit. Why they call it a grill? <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, over on uh, Dre, Dream World Enterprises, I get to play Doctor Who, I'm the, the lead in that. And I have just written my first script, actually, for that. And I have submitted it, and we'll see how much it gets torn up in the process <laughs> before it, it doesn't give birth. As the I would love to read that script, big guy. And uh, so then uh, I got that. And then over on uh, uh, Darker Projects, they're doing a fan fiction of Quantum Leap, which we mentioned tonight real quickly. And I get to play uh, Sam Beckett, the lead in that also. Wow, dude, and I've been having awesome. a lot of, lot of fun with Pete. We're, we've been doing the um, um, uh, the Kane Mutiny, and we've been doing, what was the one we just did, Les Mis? Les Mis. And Les Mis. The and, non-musical uh, version. <laughs> yes, yes the non-musical God. version. Jeez. I, I couldn't carry a tune if it had a handle on it. Hmm. But... Um, and then also for uh, um, Madison on the Air, which which is a really if, if people like old time radio and they get tired of it a little bit and want to just have a little bit of escape from it, Madison on the Air is a good choice because what they do is they get like an old time script and they'll take one of the characters out and then they'll write in Madison who's this like Valley Girl, and so that totally play, oh my god the thing, and it's really fun and I've probably done about a half a dozen episodes with her and they're always a blast so. That's pretty much all what I've got going on for right now. All right. What about you, Pete? Well, I've got lots of irons in the fire. Um, what a shock. I'm stunned. Knock me over the feather. Mentioned, oh, my God. You mentioned uh, Sonic Summerstock, which is what well, the Kane Mutiny Court Martial and Les Mis are part of that. Uh, it's an annual festival where uh, modern-day audio drama uh, creators uh, recreate uh, an episode or two or three of old-time radio. And um, not only am I creating three for this year, um, the Kane Mutiny Court Martial, which uh, came out on the 3rd of July, um, 20th Century, which is a remake of the Campbell Playhouse, which was the successor to Mercury Theater on the Air with uh, Orson Welles. Uh, we're doing 20th Century, and it's an adaptation of the movie with John Barrymore and Carol Lombard. And my uh, uh, dropping the big names, my leads, <laughs> Les Marsden and Rhiannon McAfee are so great in this. I've listened to it a hundred times. Well, I'm, I'm exaggerating at least two dozen times. Um, and, and just I, I can't stop enjoying their performances. Never gets old. Oh, those two do nice. great in whatever they yeah, do. The supporting cast is wonderful. Dana Gonsalves, who's been in so many of my He's a he's a founding member of the Narada Radio Company from 2001. Uh, uh, he plays just a wonderful character in all three. He's he's in all three of these this year. Um, and then Les Mis, we <clears throat> excuse me, we mentioned that where you, Dave, and you, Paul, are part of the cast, and and so glad to have you guys involved in that. Uh, next month, uh, Project Audion is uh, bringing out 
my adaptation of uh, Bad Day at Black Rock, the Caltex Radio Theater, an Australian uh, radio series, did wonderful adaptations of American movies. It was just, and, and British movies. But they did Bad Day at Black Rock, and there's no script available, so I had to listen to the radio show, write down what I heard, back up, nice. listen again. It's just it, it took days for me to write this script. When it was done, <laughs> it was a beautiful thing. So uh, we're we're going to be recording that early next month, and it'll come out uh, on August 12th on Project Audion. Uh, and then um, it's. It's back to my regular stuff. October, there's going to be another miniseries of The Cellar. In December, I'm going to put out at least three, if not four, Christmas-themed shows and my live, annual live uh, audio uh, uh, presentation of um, It's a Wonderful Life in Port Aransas, Texas. Nice. So, big stuff going on. Big plans. Wow. Always, always. Just a guy. It's a shame you're so bored. <laughs> but not boring by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> I'm so tired of this. Uh, yeah, you are. No, but clearly, it's all and, and it's like you guys. I mean, I mean, Paul and I. Uh, I'm not trying to make a living from this uh, because I know that it's it's really tough to break into it. So I do it for fun, and I have a job that allows me to buy microphones from time to time. So <laughs> happy about that. Nice, nice. You know they say. <laughs> Money can't buy happiness, but it can buy microphones, and that's all. Buy you a nice good. microphone. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. So that's really all that's going on with me. That's all. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now, Paul, Dave, tell the masses what they need to know. Old Time Radio Essentials is a production of 63 Audio, a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network. Subscribe on any podcatcher you may use by searching under Mutual Audio Network and or Narada Radio Company. And please do follow us on the Twitters at Essentials Old and join our Facebook group, Narada Radio Company Productions, to get updates on upcoming episodes of this show, plus future audio dramas. Now, if you want to suggest an episode, there's a process for that. You can write us at F. 6.3 at gmail.com. That's the letter F, the number six, the word point for some bizarre reason, P O I N T, and the letter and the number three and at gmail.com. Put the word essentials in the subject line, you'll be fine. Remember, folks, we're always happy to hear from our listeners, so please do send us feedback and suggestions. Please. Please send us some Please. feedback. I want to know you're out there. And if you didn't catch that email when Dave spelled it out, tough Tootsie Rolls. Rewind and listen again or just look it up in the show notes. Now, if you'd like to be a guest programmer on Old Time Radio Essentials, it's so easy. Just send, oh? us, just send us that old poster of Farrah Fawcett Majors you have hidden oh, away. Yes. You know the yes. one. It used I to do. be stapled to the ceiling over your bed. Yes. Plus the latest fast food kids meal toy and let us know which episode from which series you'd like to discuss with us. Or just send an email. Okay, no, I no, don't, I don't, back, don't back off of that. Do not yeah. back off. I, normally, normally, Pete, the, the 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 hoops you make people run through is is absurd. But this one, I'm down with. I want that poster. I miss that poster. Put attention, so, yeah. Paul, on it. Attention, attention. Paul. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I think it's high time we wrap things up, you old pervs, don't you? Yes, so. Yeah, thanks, definitely. Dave. Thanks, Paulie. Please join <laughs> us next time for another fun installment of Old Time Radio Essentials. Bye for now. Toodles. Adios. Bye. Or as Kara Fawcett would say, thanks, Charlie. Bye. <laughs> oh, that took me back. That took me way back. audio this is me
Now, you seem to me to be a connoisseur of the best of radio drama. In which case, make sure you're subscribed to the Monday Matinee feed. There we have our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic and live radio drama. So, yeah, either the main mutual audio network feed for all types and genres of audio drama or the Monday Matinee. And we'll see you there. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.